Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. If I haven't met you, my name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at Activate. And it's actually, uh, I, I was thinking about it this week. I have been the senior pastor here for five and a half years and that blows my mind because it feels like it's just been a couple of years, but it's been five and a half years, which is just crazy. And to me, it was actually amazing that I would even end up doing this job. Don't get me wrong, when I was a kid, you know, my parents would ask me, what did you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, oh, I wanted to be a pastor. I'd like to do that. And then I became a teenager. And then after that, all those ideas of becoming a pastor completely went out the window. And to be honest, I wanted nothing to do with church. And I've got to be honest and say, I didn't want anything to do with church people. I didn't like anything about church. Even the words that they use annoy me. My, my mom would say these words to me. She'd use Christian words like fellowship. And, and I'm telling you right now, I'm sorry if that is a word that you use regularly, but I do not like it. I didn't like it then. I'm, don't, I'm saved. I'm, I know Jesus. And I still don't like the word fellowship. I don't know why. It's such a weird u- word to use. It feels, it's not cultish, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it, to be honest, like, I feel like, I know I'm losing people now. So, so, but have you ever called up your friend and said, hey, Andy, you want to come around and fellowship? No one says that, you know? Like, it's just a weird thing. So I didn't like the, the word. And when it came to thinking about church people, to be honest, back then, if you had to ask me what church, church was like or church people, I would have said that they were self-righteous people that love rules and, and, and they want to stop you from having fun. And then, any takers? Okay, or anyway, so maybe it was just me. This is called projecting, everybody. This is what I'm doing to you right now. And, and so anyway, that's the way I felt. I thought they're self-righteous people. And then the amazing thing happened. I ended up going to church one day and it was just out of the blue. And to my surprise, I actually liked it. And, and the reason why I liked it is it wasn't because the place was perfect, you know? Like, I didn't walk into the church and say, wow, they just do everything perfectly. These people are amazing. By the way, if you are looking for a church or thinking about joining a church and you're looking for the perfect church, I'm going to save you a lot of time right now by telling you that it just doesn't exist. And if you think about it, it doesn't even make sense to look for it because how are you going to get a bunch of imperfect people to deliver a perfect church? You know, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's not going to happen. So, so the church wasn't perfect. But you know, the thing that I really loved about the church when I, when I came back to attending church was the people. And the reason I liked them is because they were nice. And really, when you think about it, right, isn't that what so many people are looking for in church? Don't get me wrong, like when people were looking for church, they, they have the things that are on their minds. What do they want? They want the preaching to be good, but they'll endure it as long as they've got good friends. They, they, they want the worship to be great, but they'll get past that too as long as they've got good friends. Because what people are looking for often today is just to have a community of people that love them, that know them, that want to invest into them, that encourage them. And I feel like that's what people are really wanting to see when it comes to church. And for me, I had to get past all my issues to actually find that. And I'm so glad that I did because here's the crazy part. I never realized it back then, but the whole time that I was rejecting church, 
I was also rejecting my calling. Because the thing is, is that when I was a kid, I said I wanted to become a pastor and I believed that's what God wanted me to do. And, and the whole time I didn't want anything to do in church, I was actually moving further and further away from the plan that God had for my life. And can you imagine the frustration of just being out of church, looking for the thing that was meant to fulfill me, only to discover that it was in the very place that I was avoiding. So I'm, for me personally, I'm so glad that I got past all of those issues. And I, I wanted to preach a message tonight about God's plan. I want to preach about God's plan for people, okay? So here's where I think we're at. I think we live in a culture where people often love Jesus, but they are not sure about the church. They love Jesus, but they're not really sure about the church. And I thought it would make sense tonight to maybe explain what the church is very briefly so that we know what that means. So when we say the word church, we often use it as a location, don't we? Like, I'll meet you at church. Church starts at 10. It starts at 6, you know, and we, and we say those things. But the word in its original language was the word ecclesia. And it means God's community of people. It means the people that God has chosen to be part of his community. And get this, it includes people that he's created on earth, people that have died and, and, and you know, gone to heaven. It includes the angels. It includes all of God's creation. So it's not just earth bound. It's heaven and earth. And so we, when you think about it, that is a whole heap. We're we talking billions and billions of people that form God's church, right? So when we say the word church, it actually really means God's people, his community. I was on the phone uh, recently with a, a friend of mine, and she was talking to me about a church experience that she'd had. And I'll be honest and say that she had not had a good experience. Thank God it wasn't, it wasn't at Activate Church, you know, but she had not had a good experience. And she was, she'd been out of church for years and, you know, was just not looking at going to church. And so she called me and we were having a really great conversation and I was trying to find a way to help her and encourage her, but I was tiptoeing around it because she already said that she had been burnt by church. Have you ever heard that term? I've been burnt by church. Just hands up if you've heard that before, you know? All right. So I always think that this really interesting when people say I've been burnt by church because you know, like if you think about church, like I just told you it was like billions of people, right? So, so do you think that it might be a little over-exaggerated to say the billions and billions of people and all of heaven has offended me, right? And they have burnt me. All of them? Yes, all of them. No, it's not all of them. What it usually is, is a few people, often in a leadership role, where and somebody became disenfranchised and eventually became offended, and that's what they often mean when they say that they were burnt by the church. And this person was saying this very thing to me. Oh, Ben, I, I got burnt, you know. So in trying to find the right language to help her, she eventually said, Ben, look, I, I wanted to speak to you because I want you to tell me what you think, right? And I thought, okay. I said, well, if, if I was going to be really honest with you, I would say that I don't believe it's God's plan for you to be out of church forever. Would you agree with me that that would be fair? 
Like it's not, it's not God's plan for you to never go back to church. I said, do you agree with that? And she said, yes, well, I do agree with that. I said, great. I said, we've just come a long way. Well, since you now have discovered that it's not God's plan for you to be out of church forever, I guess we just need to take the journey on when you feel it's safe for you to return to church and eventually come back. And very quickly, she said, yeah, I guess that's true. I just need to figure this whole thing out. I asked her, I said, hey, by the way, in this process, while you're planning to not be part of any church um, and you don't want to be part of anything, I wondered what your plan was for growth. Like, I want to know, what's your plan for being developed? Like, how do you know that you're on the right track and who's in your life that will encourage you and, and speak into you? What's, what's your plan there? And she said, well, I don't really have one. I said, okay. I said, Let's say this. Let's imagine that you lead a person to know who Jesus is. So really quick um, gospel understanding right here tonight is that if you and I were going to be honest, we would both say that we're not perfect. We really do know that. I don't have to convince you of that. And when we do things that we're not supposed to do, the Bible calls that sin. That sin separates us from God. Now, because God is just, he doesn't want to just ignore it because then if he's the kind of God that can overlook things that need to be addressed, how can you ever trust him? So he says, well, I'm going to have to address this issue how can I do it and save you at the same time? So we sent Jesus to pay the penalty on the cross for our sins. And if you are a person that believes that God sent Jesus from heaven to earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, the Bible says if you confess that with your mouth and believe that in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you'll be saved. In other words, you'll have a relationship with God and he will remove all of your sin away from you. And I said, that's a great message. So I said, let's say you bring somebody to the point where now they understand the gospel They've given their heart to, to Jesus. Um, what's your plan with them now? Like, what are you going to do with them? Would you encourage that person to go to church? Or would you give them advice that they shouldn't go? Like, I, I just don't know. What's your plan for developing that person? See, I, let me explain something to you. I believe that God gifts people. He gives them gifts. They're just, you don't earn them. They're just gifts that are given by his grace. And oftentimes people will get these gifts, even outside of church, you can recognize it. You can see when someone has a leadership gift. You can see when someone has a communication gift. You can see when somebody is gifted. And I want you to imagine it like, imagine this, all the gifts. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of like a bag of Lego, right? And, and in that, you've got all the bits and all the elements, right? But it needs to be constructed in the right way so it can resemble what the plan that God has for your life. So to do that, you need to build, you know, according to some kind of plan. And this, I mean, this is what I do with my kids, all right? So they get Lego and they start building it. And back in the days when they couldn't read very well, they didn't understand how to read instructions. So they would say, Dad, can you help me? I would say, yeah, all right, come on. So I'm building that thing. An hour later, it's my Lego Ninjago dragon. And you had better back off. Let me finish it. Dad, can I help? No, you can't. No, you can't. It's mine. I'll come get you when it's all done. So there's a lot of ownership once you're building Lego. So, so what did I do? I worked... 
according to the plan that I could see. Why? Because I was a little bit more mature than them and I could see things that they couldn't see and it helped to begin to develop all of the blocks in the right shape so it began to resemble the purpose of its creation, the reason why it was designed in the first place. And I want to tell you something tonight. This is very important that you understand this. God's plan is for people to help you and others work out your calling and help you develop your gifts. Now, if you're here tonight and you're like, well, I don't have any gifts, I remember feeling the exact same way, but I promise you this, you do have gifts. You may not know exactly what they are right now, or maybe you're on the, in, in process and God's going to gift you something in the future to enable you to do everything that God wants you to do. And when we take people and we help them develop their gifts, we call that process discipleship. And discipleship is a very important part of church. It's something that we're supposed to do and supposed to do very well. And look, for me, I'll I'll, I'll be honest, right? If I was out there on my own, and I didn't have a church community, and I had led someone to know who Jesus is, and they came to me, and they said to me, Ben, I feel like God has given me a worship gift. I am telling you right now, I could not help them one bit. I have no skills on anything up here. I currently celebrate clapping in time, and it has taken me 10 years to get to, thank you. Thank you for your encouragement. It's taken me 10 years to get to that point, and I would not be able to help them. And see, the thing is that you need to understand this. You don't have every gift. You've got some gifts. And wouldn't it be great if we could travel to a place where people would meet together and pull all of their gifts and their resources? Let's go ahead and call that church. And then you could go there and someone that was gifted in an area that that person was called would be able to help them because they were gifted in the area that God wanted them to grow in. Does that make sense? All right, well, let me read this scripture to you. So this comes out of Romans chapter 12. I'm going to begin in verse 4. It says this, For as in one body we have many members. So it's saying like we're one body, but there's lots of us. Uh, we have many members, and the members, uh, and the members do not all have the same function. Would you look at that? We don't all have the same function. We all have different gifts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here we go. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So whatever ministry gifts you have. They're often given by God's grace, not something that you earn, but something that he gives to you. And then Paul, the apostle who wrote this, goes on to say, let us use them. That's a very important point. You should be using them. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. Did you know that service, just service alone, is a ministry gift? It says, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal. Look at that. Leadership is a, is a ministry gift as well. It says, and to the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
you may not have all of those gifts. And maybe you've got one or two. But I feel like the idea of church is to bring all of our gifts together. See, my point is, and this is something very important for you to know tonight, you cannot disciple everyone. You cannot disciple everyone and you're not supposed to. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, greater things than these shall you do, he said to his disciples, as they were astounded at the miracles that Jesus would do. Greater things than these shall you do. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, I kind of feel like he might have been saying that to you. And here's what I don't think Jesus was saying. I don't think that Jesus was saying that if you're a disciple of his, that you will do all the things that Jesus did only better than him. That makes sense. Like how many of you have raised people from the dead? Well, the good news tonight is that you're not all failures because he wasn't saying that all of you will do greater things than him. Here's what he was saying. He says that because you're my disciples and there's going to be millions and one day billions of you, and because I'm on earth for this period of time, my ministry, you know, these three years of my ministry life, but you guys, as you pass on discipleship and as you train generations of people, you will have the ability to do greater things because there'll be more of them. You, there'll be billions of you all over the planet that will be moved by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to do things on a mass scale that I have not been able to do since I'm here as one person presently in one location presently. And he was saying that the church would be able to reach out and do greater things. See, if you ever find somebody that's called in an area that you're not skilled, you're going to need some help. You're going to need other people to get around you and around them and help them. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I like the message version. It says, You use steel to sharpen steel and one friend sharpens another. I want you to imagine for a second if we had two blocks of steel and because I don't have any, I'm going to use my arms because they closely resemble two blocks. Anyway, so, so I want you to imagine that we've got these two blocks of steel and if I was to place one on top of the other just like this and leave it there, let's say I place them here and I leave it, those blocks of steel, and I come back in five minutes, would they be sharper? No, they would not be sharper. What if I took those two blocks of steel and I gave them a front row seat in church and I put one next to the other by mere virtue of the fact that they're sitting in church tonight listening to me preach, would they become sharper? No, they would not become sharper. In fact, the only way to get those two uh, blocks of iron or steel to sharpen would be if they began to rub up against each other. And as they begin to interact, as they begin to be used, right, that's when they begin to get sharper. Have you ever noticed that it's not till the sparks start to fly that the sharpening begins to come? I think it's meant to work in a really similar way with people. And you're meant to be 
actively involved in doing stuff. And it's when you start to use your ministry gifts and the things that God has given to you within the context of a church setting where people can help you that you begin to get sharper. In fact, this is what commentators say about this very passage. They say, when it comes to this stuff, you know, right here, the two, the, 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 if you imagine a blade, a double-sided blade, it says that the sharpening really comes in two ways. It's both encouragement and correction. Encouragement and correction. And if anybody has kids, and some of you don't, trust me, this is exactly how you parent kids as well. Because if I just left them to their own devices and said, get sharper, I promise you it wouldn't happen. If I left them in a room and said, here's a, book, a whole heap of books and resources, I would come back to find them on the Xbox. Or they have probably stolen my phone and used all my data. I'm telling you right now, right? They will not get sharper on their own. So what do we do? We provide a bit of correction. Hey, come on, that's not what you're supposed to do. But encouragement all the same so that they feel uplifted. They don't, want, they don't need to be feel beaten up, but there's some correction there to help them get sharper. And when we think about the grand scale on which this is supposed to happen, it's impossible to do it alone. See, what we can't do alone, we can do together. The Great Commission was that we would take that gospel message that I told you about earlier, the good news, the incredibly uplifting, encouraging good news that God loves people. And we should share that all over the globe. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, but the Great Commission. It's meant to engage all Christians everywhere on planet Earth, and they should be engaged in it. And he says, I want you to go into all the world. Imagine trying to do that by yourself. What, what an impossibility it would be. You cannot do it all by yourself. My son, he played basketball, he still does, but uh, a couple seasons ago, and he had a coach who was not gifted in the arena of coaching. Like, at all. She had one plan, and the plan was, everyone get the ball to that one superstar, and let him score all the points, right? And the problem was they won very few games because I think Michael Jordan said this, talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. You can only get so far when you do it on your own. If you want to do anything significant in life, you are not going to be able to do it by yourself. That, in fact, John Maxwell says that very thing. He says, if you want to do anything significant, it will always involve working with other people because you cannot achieve significance on your own. So let me bring it back now. If you have been in church and you've had a bad experience, and I don't want to like belittle anyone because if you have had a bad experience, it might be legitimate, might be a terrible experience like my friend that I spoke to on the phone earlier. And maybe you've had a bad experience and you'll be tempted to go it alone. Attempted to go out and just do it on your own, however you can. And I'm telling you right now, it's not a plan. I mean, it is. It's a very bad one. It's not a good one. It's not a good plan at all. Have you, have you ever seen... What happens to people when they try to just go it alone? When they try to separate themselves and just try to do it on their own? You know, before we read the scripture, and, and I said that the apostle Paul, he said that although we are many members, we are one body. Who remembers that? 
Okay, I wanted you to take note of that. So let, let me explain it to you. I could have just read this scripture to you, but I thought it might be easier to explain it to you this way. So I want to volunteer. I'm going to pick Zach. Zach, why don't you come up and... Come on, everybody, put your hands together for Zach. Okay. It's important to ask for a volunteer before you tell them why they've volunteered. So, Zach, I want you to place your hand on that chopping board. Thank you, while I explain what's happening here. So, in my hand, I am holding a sharp knife. This is a real knife. And um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but unfortunately for Zach, I, his, his hand has to go everywhere that his body does. Have you noticed that? How oppressive of your body to be dragging your fingers all over the place, you know? And I thought, well, you know, he is one body. I remember what Paul said, but I thought, you know, it would be good to find out. What we should do is we should just free your fingers from your body. And so if you just place your hands like that, and wouldn't it be just interesting, at least interesting, to find out are you nervous? A little bit. Yep. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what would happen should we free Zach's thumb from his body? Would anybody be interested to see? Let's, uh, let's, let's, we should just take a vote. Who thinks it would be good to see? <laughs> been burnt by the church. He's been burnt by the church. Again. <laughs> Boy, you know what's interesting? This morning, they all said the same thing as well. So let me, let me suggest this. Imagine for a moment, I am tempted to do it because the people have spoken. But I want you to imagine for a moment if I did chop off his thumb and I separated it from his body and I took it off and I, I moved it all the way over here and I said, ah, thumb, you're free. You are free from the oppression of being pulled around all over the place by Zach's mind and his brain and his body. Now thrive on your own and do all that you were designed to do. How many understand it would not go very well? Does that make sense to you? It's a thumb. What's it going to do? Like, it's not going to crawl along the ground, you know? The thing is, is that it actually functions best when it's attached to its hands. It functions best when it's connected to it. And this is a very important point, And I think we need to understand this. If you disconnect anything, any of his members from his body, it won't be connected to the source that's going to sustain it to make it operational and function in the way that it's supposed to. You with me? Awesome. Give, give Zach a hand. <laughs> See, it needs to be connected to the source. And some of you are here and you're like, I have the loophole. I know what it is. I get it. The source is not meant to be the church. The source is God. He's our source. And I go to Him. Do you? Do you really? Because I kind of got this feeling like if you went to the source... He might have this way of pointing you back to the body. If he, was, if, if he was really your source and you were really interested in what God wanted, don't you think that he'd just tell you what's 
in his word and point you straight back to the body. We're at a men's conference with some of the guys here. I think it was last month, and I heard this preacher, Mark Varahees, say this, and it made sense to me at the time. He says, God has this way of always pointing people back to the church. Imagine it happening like this. Somebody who's you know, experienced, hurt, or burnt by the church or whatever, they say, God, I love you. And he says, do you? Do you really mean it? Do you really love me? Yes, I do. God, I love you. Good. Then please love my church. No, you misunderstand me, Lord. Um, I am saying that I love you. You know, whenever you're explaining something to God, you know you're losing already. God, I love you. He's like, do you really? Oh, if you do, if you really mean it, do you mean it? Yes, I do. I love you. Great. Well, then please love the church. God, I feel like you're so confused about what I'm trying to say here. I just want to serve you. Lord, I want to serve you. Oh, do you really? Yes, I want to serve you. Well, then would you please serve the church? God, you're really not following me here, you know. I I mean, see, God has this way of always pointing people back to the church because he has a plan. And God's plan for his people is to be part of his church. Are you with me tonight? God's plan for his people is simply to be part of his church. Imagine how this works. Imagine I had a pot plant here and I took it out of the um, pot and I put it over here and said, be free from the soil that has always held you in, right? It would just die because it needs to be grounded in something that's going to build it up and encourage it. And here's the thing. What I'm saying is not crazy because people have done research about this. In fact, I read a study. A study it was a Barna study, and they do statistical analysis research. And they said a study of 10,000 people that had left the church, been burnt by the church or whatever, they said one-third, a few years later, up to one-third would no longer consider themselves to be Christians. And the other two-thirds were not functioning or operating in the way that they were supposed to. The statistics are in. If you try to leave and go out and do it on your own, it doesn't help. And God doesn't want that for you. That's not his plan for you. Proverbs 18.1 says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. See, if you want to find out God's plan for your life, and if you want to be trained and equipped to do ministry, and if your desire is to serve God, and if you really do love Him, then the thing you need to do is be part of the church. And you need to be part of the church. And not just, I, I'm not just talking about coming on Sundays, right? And if you, right now, if you come Sundays, I don't want you to feel guilty. That's not the point here, right? It's not what I'm trying to say. But you remember before when I said, if we take those two blocks of iron and just put them in a seat on Sunday, you remember how we said they weren't going to get sharp? Yeah, same with you. It won't happen. 
Because you're not using what you've been given. You're not functioning in the way that you're supposed to be functioning. If you can't stand any kind of correction in your life, how are you ever going to grow? Have you ever seen a basketball coach that said, just do whatever you want and never give correction or encouragement from the side? It doesn't work in any sphere. It doesn't work anywhere. It doesn't work in business. How many people want a business mentor to help them grow and develop and learn? It makes sense everywhere on the planet and it absolutely makes sense in the church too. Don't just come Sundays because that's not God's plan for you. You can't do it all and you're not supposed to. You might be incredibly gifted like that bag of Lego. You've just got amazing gifts. You are gifted. You are called. You are anointed by God. And you can have all of these things. And as you begin to pursue your calling, discover that it is incredibly difficult. Because if you really do everything that God has asked you to do, eventually you're going to come across a challenge. And when you come across a challenge, you need to find yourself in an environment that does what? It both encourages and corrects and helps and trains and equips you. And by the way, if you're wondering what's the right kind of community to be involved in, there is a distinctive, I believe, that you should be looking for that should be found in the community of God's people. It was the thing that Jesus said would define those who have been with him. He said, you will recognize my disciples by how they love one another. And so at the very core of who we are, at the center of a good church community, the way that you would recognize that the people, that these people have been with God is because of how they interact. It's because of how they love one another and that community that's the one that you should be a part of that's the one that you should join that's the one because if you find a group of people that love you you can trust them enough to develop you I want to read a scripture to you out of Hebrews chapter 10 it says this in verse 24 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, sometimes when people don't go to church, it's not because they even dislike it. It's honestly because they just fell into the routine. It's like you missed one week, you missed two weeks, you missed three weeks and nobody called you and you're like, well, just, let's just keep on sliding and see what happens next. Suddenly you haven't been at church in months and you don't even miss it now. It just becomes a habit, just becomes routine. That's okay because all habits are correctable. We can change that. He says, don't do that as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You need to be around people that are going to stir up the good things that God has put in you. You need to be around people that are going to encourage you, that are going to love you, that are going to help you. And if, you know, if I think back about the most defining moments of my life, there were always with people of God who encouraged me and helped me. It was that word that someone spoke over me that day. It was that prayer that someone prayed for me. They were my defining moments that changed my life and 
change the directory of my future. Why? Because I was there, or at least I was immersed in the environment, available, ready to hear it, to be transformed by what God wanted to do. And I think, man, the church has so much to offer. I mean, it's not like we just come here and sit and enjoy and leave. There is so much more that happens outside of Sunday because if church is just a location and all you do is come, then you may think you're a part of it. But can I tell you, there's so much more. Say, for example, there are areas in your life where you're struggling in your finances. Did you know that we have people that would love to help you with that? We actually run cap money programs. We have a board of management that have offered multiple times to sit down and help anyone that's struggling with their finances. Have you got a relationship issue that you need some help with? You know, we have people that would love to meet with you and encourage you and help you. I mean, if if someone had a marriage that was in trouble, we have people that would love to meet with them and help them and encourage them. I'm telling you right now, the church has so much to offer and it's not just about life skills. It's not about just learning how to do a budget because we have people that would even help you with the practical things of life. There are ministry gifts that need to be honed. There are ministry uh, gifts and expressions that may not even be coming out because there's no avenue for expression or maybe you're just insecure inside yourself about I don't even know if God you really want me to do this but we have people that would want to help you with that too we have people that would want to help you develop your spiritual gifts and if you're here tonight and you think I don't even have them oh you do yeah you do you just don't know what they are I remember feeling exactly like that I honestly sat in church for the first few years and I thought I will never be able to help people I have nothing to offer the only thing I like to do is talk Who knew that was a thing? That God could use that? And see, my point is, there is such a place for the church, not only in our community, but also, I think, in our hearts. And that's why you can't listen to a podcast and say, this is my church. How is that church? I just don't get it. I mean, if you listen to a podcast and all you do is pick and choose, it's like dessert. I just like to consume everything I like but there's never anyone in my life to personally encourage me. No one will ever personally challenge me. No one will ever come to me and say, hey, you've got to be careful of that habit that you're forming in your life. That's not church. That's sitting at home and listening to what you like and, and, and feeling spiritual without actually being part of the very thing that Jesus gave his life for. Do you remember what, what he said? Ephesians 5 He says, I gave my life up for my bride, which was what? It was the church. The church is what he gave his life for. That's what he wants you to be part of. You need to be part of an environment that stirs and encourages. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.